0: We're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. We're in a series. We started last week. I was in Israel last week. Uh, We took a group of 50. I always try to take 50, 48 to 50. It's a bus full, and, man, it's amazing. I know some of you have been already saying, man, when are you going again? Because I've seen the pictures. I've heard somebody talk about it. We go about every two years. When you hear it, be ready to sign up, okay, because we, we limit it uh, to about 50 people, okay? And so it's amazing when we go. Last week when I was gone, uh, we kicked off this new series called Greater. We're drilling down on uh, John 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Six chapters in the book of John, 12 through 17, and we're calling it Greater. Now, we've got a theme verse uh, from the book of John, chapter fourteen, verse twelve. And in John fourteen twelve, here is what uh, what the gospel, what the apostle John says in John fourteen twelve. He says this: Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, when you hear, when when you see Jesus say truly, truly, it's like listen, 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 listen. Okay, you say that to your kids sometimes. Hey, listen, listen, listen. That's what Jesus is doing. He's getting your attention. Truly, truly, it's important what I'm about to say. Okay. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Very important. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you're going to do what I did. People who follow Jesus, who believe in Jesus, people who are disciples of Jesus, what do we do? We do what he did. That's what we should do. Okay? And so, you will do what I did. And look at what he says, greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Can you believe that Jesus, I mean, think of the gravity for just a moment of what Jesus just said. Jesus just said that those who believe in him will do greater things than he did. That seems utterly impossible in my mind. He's God, I'm not God, right? How could he say such things? Well, here's what he said. You will do greater things because I'm going back to the Father. Well, what did he mean? Well, he he meant when I complete my work on the cross, now this, when he said this in John 13, uh, he, he is in the Passover supper with his disciples. So it's the la- last supper. He's getting ready to be arrested later this night. He's going to be murdered tomorrow in this, in this chapter right here, in this context. And so he says, I'm getting ready to go back to the Father. I'm getting ready to complete my work on the cross, and I'll go back to the Father. And when I go back to the Father, we know what he's going to do. He's going to send the Holy Spirit who will live within us. Now think about it. Jesus walked with Peter and Paul and James and John. Think about, how, you've probably thought before, man, how awesome it would have been to walk with Jesus, right? The people that went to Israel, they they understand, man, to just the the, the magnitude, uh, it, what, it, what it was to just walk where he walked, man. We were in Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was from, and they've unearthed a a synagogue that's 2,000-year-olds, Jesus taught in this synagogue. He, we, with the tile floor, the, the mosaic is still there. He would have stood on. It's like, wow, it's like amazing, right? And so to, to walk with Jesus, we think, how amazing would that be? Well, here's the thing. They walked with Jesus, but Jesus said, listen, it's greater that I, the Holy Spirit is in you than I am with you. We have the Holy Spirit within us to empower us to do greater things. That's what he said. And Luke said in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so if you believe in Jesus Christ today, Jesus promised in John 14, chapter, verse, chapter 14, verse 12, those who have the Holy Spirit living within them will do greater things than he did. Why? You won't do it. The Holy Spirit will do it through you. It's amazing, Right? So we call it greater. Last week, Ryan Garrett, our student pastor, uh, talked about how the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to believe, and belief is greater than unbelief. Today, we're going to really drill down on chapter 13, and we're going to learn that serving is greater than being served. Now, immediately, that just sounds like I messed up when I said that, because who really believes that serving is greater than being served? You see, what we believe is it's greater to be served, right? I mean, in our culture, in our culture, the highest value goes to the ones who has the most servants. But in Jesus' kingdom, the highest value is assigned to those who serve the most, right? In our culture, being served is winning. In Jesus' culture, serving is winning. It's greater to be served in our culture than to serve. In Jesus' kingdom, it's greater to serve than to be served, Right? And so when we come to John chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 17, is one of the most iconic passages in all of the Bible. It, it, it's an iconic passage that most of you have heard of. It, even if you haven't been involved in church, it's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, right? I mean, he blows their mind by washing their, defeat, their feet. And here's what we know. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they spend about 10 Ten verses, uh, maybe a little more give or take, on the Last Supper of Jesus. Well, John wants to teach us a lot in this moment, and so he covers this moment in five whole chapters. And so we're going to be learning some things about Jesus in his last moments, in his last hours. And those are important things. And so let's go ahead and start. Let's look at John chapter 13. Uh, I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 5, and we'll, we'll talk about that, and then we'll read the rest of it. Look at what uh, John writes. It says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already Now, as we look at this passage, we've we've really read through the Gospels. You see Jesus through the Gospels time and time again say, my time has not yet come. They're dogging Jesus. The religious leaders want to kill him. He is a threat to their establishment. He is a threat to their authority. He's gathering more followers. They don't like him. They don't like the things he says. They don't like how he says them. He's not afraid to confront them, and they want to kill him. And so they try many times through the Scripture. They make plans to, but it says, my time has not yet come, meaning it's not time for me to die yet, right? And so the Holy Spirit takes him on through. Well, now we come to John, his last supper, and Jesus said, it's time for me to depart and go back to my father. In other words, Jesus said, it's time for me to die. It's time for me to die. Now, how many of you would want to know the time of your death? If you could, would you wanna, that's debatable, isn't it? I mean, some people would say, yeah, I would wanna know. I mean, uh, some people say, I don't wanna know. I mean, man, we're not promised tomorrow, right? So it could be at any moment now. It could be 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. We don't know the time of our death. Some people would say, I'd wanna know. But listen, Jesus didn't only know When he would die, he knew exactly how he would die. He knew that in just a few short hours he would be arrested on trumped-up charges. That he would be beaten. I mean, I mean that he would be brutally beaten. That he would be uh, 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 his beard would be plucked out. He would be mocked. People would spit in his face. They would drive a crown of thorns into his head. They would strip him naked and nail him to a tree in humiliation. To a cross. I'm sorry. In humiliation. He knew that all that would happen. He knew that by 3 p.m. tomorrow, he would be dead. Not passed out, dead by 3 p.m. tomorrow. He knew all of this and how he would do it. So you can imagine he was fully God, but yes, he was fully human, and you can imagine the stress, the weight of this moment. It was heavy. And if you had like less than 18 hours to live, what would you do? Here's what I know you would do. I don't know all that you would do, you know, uh, but uh, I know that you'd want to spend those moments with those closest to you. You would gather your family, your children. If you have children, you would gather those closest to you, whoever they are. And here's you wouldn't waste words, would you, because you would want to make them count. You didn't have words to waste at this moment. You would want to pour into those you love some very important truths. That's what we see Jesus do. In this moment, over the next few chapters, you're going to see Jesus not wasting words, pouring into the life of his disciples in his final, in his final hours on, uh, on this planet uh, as Jesus, the fully man, fully God. And so he, right now he, he's in an upper room. He is in an upper room in Jerusalem somewhere, and he's celebrating the Passover with his disciples, As he had done for, uh, you know, 33 years as a good Jewish uh, boy and then a Jewish man, the Jews would celebrate the Passover. The Passover was established by God for the Jews to remember how he brought them out of Egypt by killing the Passover lamb, the perfect spotless year old Passover lamb, putting its blood on the doorpost. They consumed it, putting its blood on the doorpost. He passed over their homes when he took the firstborn. So he said, remember this, to this day, Jews celebrate Passover. Remember how God took them out of Egypt. Jesus was doing that. He had done it three years. This was the third year with his disciples. And so he was in an upper room. He was celebrating Passover. And during dinner, he did something this this year that literally blew their mind. He started washing their feet. Now, you need to understand culture to really get what's going on here. You need to understand the context and the culture. You see, in that day, they walked everywhere they went. They didn't have SUVs with heated seats and DVD players. They walked everywhere they went. And they didn't wear Nikes, you know, Nike Pegasus, Nike Airs, or Doc Martens. I mean, they wore, at best, it was uh, first century Birkenstocks, right, or first-gen first, first gen Birkenstocks. Open toes, and they didn't have paved roads or not even crushing run, man. I mean, it was dirt roads. So in in, in the summer, in the dry season, it's just a Bowl of dust in the wet season—it's a bowl of mud. It's a mud hole, and there's animals walking all over. So there's animal dung. So you imagine your feet—you're walking everywhere in Jerusalem cruisers, you know, and and Birkenstocks, first century Birkenstocks. You're walking everywhere in sandals. Your feet are dirty, nasty, muddy, animal dung all over them. I mean, man, your feet were like stink, stink, stunk, nasty, right? They're nasty. I mean, man, are you, are you thinking about that today? Some of you are going like, Ooh, man, because we don't like feet today, do we? I mean, we're thinking about feet today. I mean, I tried to get Amy to rub my feet. She says, I ain't rubbing your nasty feet. I mean, and I've got on nice boots, you know. I mean, I walked out, you know, we, we've got, I, I've got nice, I, I don't have bad feet. I've got good feet. I don't have a six toe. I don't have, you know, I, I don't have toe jam crammed up between crusty, cr- between my toes. I got nice, clean feet. And Amy says, I ain't rubbing your feet. And I say, but baby, you'll be more like Jesus. She says, I ain't rubbing your feet. Pray for her. Okay. She don't want to be like Jesus in that area. So, you know, I, I look at some of you, I look at some of you in the summer when you come in with flip-flops on, I look at some of you and it's like, that's all right. But I look at some of you dudes, and I'm like, oh no, man, no, you don't need to be wearing flip-flops. You got them Shrek feet. I mean, don't do that. You know, I mean, you know, feet, we just, we just, you know, even today, you know, I mean, your feet's just like, eh, well, think about then. Think about back then when the way they walked and how they got from place to place. And so now on top of that, when they come in to eat, they, they didn't set at a table. Da Vinci, I love the fact that Da Vinci painted the scene, but he got it all wrong, right? It's not accurate at all because they didn't set at a table. Number one, they, Jesus didn't say, hey, boys, get over here on this side of the table for the selfie, right? I mean, that's not what Jesus did. And it wasn't at a, at a table like we set at today. It was, what, it was at a Roman table called a triclinium. Now a triclinium is a u shaped table Tri means three it 's a u shape it 's got three sides it 's like this okay let 's say you 're looking. they would have set a table that went like this, like this and then like this. okay So have a three sided table, you have disciples sitting here, disciples sitting here, and then people sitting here, okay and it was not high like our tables with the chair that went under. It was low small legs. And so they would sit on cushions and what they call reclining. Okay. So maybe you've heard it called reclining. They would sort of lay, put a cushion under their hip and lay. And, and you know what? They got all those nasty feet just right here at your level. Right. And so it was customary. And You're thinking, man, I'm eating. I'm putting my bread in a bowl. I'm eating. I'm like, there's your big toe. It's like, Ooh, it stinks. You've been in in some cannibal something out there. You know, I mean, it's just not good. And so what they was customary was this. It was customary when you went to someone's house that they provided a servant to wash your feet, right? Now, this job was reserved for the lowest servant on the servant food chain. I mean, nobody wanted to do this. You can can imagine, right? It's dirty feet. Who wants to wash dirty feet? The lowest servant on the the food chain washed the feet. And so, so that's what happened. But guess what? Jesus and his disciples didn't have a host. They were in a borrowed room. They were in a borrowed room. They had borrowed this room, so they didn't have a host there. And so when this was the case, it was customary for the youngest person in the group to take on the task of washing feet. Now, most scholars... Believe that that would have been John. I happen to think that's probably accurate. We really don't know. We, we haven't seen their driver's license or birth certificate. So we re- and he didn't tell us. We really don't know. But I believe that's pretty accurate. It was probably John. But we don't know. But here's what we do know: somebody in that group was the youngest person there. But nobody washed feet. Why? Well, Luke also and Matthew and Mark they also tell us this story. And here's what Luke tells us. He gives us some insight that helps us to understand why they had dirty feet. Because Luke tells us that they were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom. They were arguing about who was the greatest. You see, this is Thursday night. On Sunday, the previous Sunday, uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem and man, it's a parade it's a parade right I mean man the people are pumped about Jesus he comes riding in down the Mount of Olives on a donkey and the prophet said that the Messiah would come on a donkey so all Jerusalem by this time in Jesus's ministry he's three years in and all Jerusalem and all the land is like man he is our king he's going to liberate us from Rome and so he comes in on a donkey and they're like see and they're pumped and they're throwing palm leaves in, in front of the donkey and they're throwing their cloaks and their, their their garments in front of the donkey and I mean man it's just like the prophet said and here he comes and And he stops and he prays over Jerusalem and he comes in and everybody's like, this is our new king. And so the disciples are stoked because they're like, man, they all know he's a new king and man, we're just riding right down with him, you know. I mean, we're jockeying now for position in his new kingdom, right? Because we're the closest. We're going to be his cabinet. We're going to be the people who you know, are closest to his advisors, his cabinet. And, and so we're jo- they were jockeying, Luke says, for position in his new kingdom. And so it, it, it makes sense, doesn't it, that they got dirty feet because all of them were more concerned about being served than they were about serving, right? And so as they're arguing... As they're arguing here about who's the greatest, all of a sudden you hear the sound of water pouring into a basin. And Jesus gets up, and he, and John tells us he lays aside his outer garments. He takes off his outer garments, lays them aside. Very important wording, I'll tell you why in a moment. Lays them aside, takes a towel, puts it around his waist. He gets down on the floor, and he begins to scoot around washing their feet. It's an amazing sight. Let me, matter of fact, let me pick it up in, in verse six and, and see what happens from here. And it says, He came to Simon Peter as he's washing their feet. And remember, they're sitting there stunned. They're, now they've been arguing about who's the greatest, and now they're just like, I, What's happening? I, I, I don't, it, the king don't wash feet. I mean, what, what, what's happening? I, I don't understand what's happening. They're all stunned, like, I, I, the silence probably. But he gets to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Hang on to that phrase. Hang on to that, what Jesus just said. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all are clean. Now, when we get to this point, I mean, what I want you to understand is Jesus, just remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the king of the universe. He created every mountain and every ocean he is the king of the universe Jesus is the one if you go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah gets a vision and he is the one that the angels from all of eternity have been gathered around proclaiming holy 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 is the Lord God almighty the one who was and is and is to come right this is him This is the king of the universe. This is the one whom angels, Isaiah says, can't even look at. They cover their eyes because he is so glorious. This is him, and he is a towel around his waist, dressed as a servant, scooting around, washing feet. They're like stunned. They don't know what to say except for Peter. Peter, he always had something to say right? It's been said that the only time Peter opened his mouth was to change feet, right? And so Peter, he gets to Peter, and Peter says, Jesus, you you ain't washing my feet. I mean, you're you're not washing my feet. And so, man, listen, the bad thing is, here's what you need to understand. Learn this from Peter. It's not a good idea to ever tell Jesus what he isn't going to do, right? It's not good to tell Jesus what he's going to do, Man, this, this, as we get to this, the, the washing of disciples, nasty feet. It's a beautiful, iconic picture and story of Jesus, the king of the universe, washing feet. It is an iconic story of humility, of service, of, of, of being willing to, of how much greater it is to serve than to be served. It's a beautiful story, but folks, it's about so much more than that. It clearly foreshadows the cross that's why Jesus said you don't understand what I'm doing now but you will you see it's about service but it's about so much more it foreshadows the cross when Jesus laid aside John uses specific phraseology when he says he laid aside his outer garments this is a phrase that's used in scripture by John to say the laying aside of a dead body the sacrificing of a life and so you see what's going on here. What's going on here is he is giving a beautiful picture of what's about to happen. He is about, in just a few short hours, he will lay aside his life, sacrifice his life. Just as he laid aside his outer garment to clean dirty feet, he is about to lay aside his life and shed his blood to clean us from our sin. That's, about, that's what's happening. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's what Paul refers to in Philippians Chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. In Philippians 2, 4 through 8, let me me read it. Paul's referring to this when he says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Beautiful, iconic story of service. Jesus washing the king, washing the feet of his disciples. And he's saying, don't look just to your own needs, but the, the needs of others. And look what he says. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Be like Jesus. This is the mind Jesus had, who, though he was in the form of God... Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here's, Paul is referring to this, and he's saying that Jesus didn't hang on to the prerogatives and the privileges of being God. Jesus was God. He was deity, right? He was deity. Right? I mean, he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient, right? He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But when Jesus came to earth, Paul said he didn't hang on to the prerogatives, to the privileges of deity. He laid them aside to serve our greatest need. Just as he laid aside his garment to serve the need that they had at the moment of dirty feet, cleaning their feet, he laid aside his prerogatives. He laid aside his life shed his blood to clean our dirty feet. I'm sorry, to clean our dirty sin. And what we're, what we're told is that in verse 12, we're gonna, we're gonna read in a moment, he, he says that he'll pick his outer garments back up again and put them on, which is an image of the, of the resurrection that would take place in three days. The resurrection, it's an image of Jesus having the authority to lay down his life and to take it up again. Jesus is saying, you don't understand now, but you will. This is about so much more than washing feet. Oh, it, it, it's an example of service. Jesus is our example, sure. Oh, but it's so much more. He's our sacrifice. He's saying, I will serve your greatest need by cleansing you from your sin, those who believe in me. Right? And, some, and, and, and it's so important because, listen, some try to clean themselves. So many people try to clean themselves. That's what religion is. Religion's created to say, do this, don't do this, do that, Right? And you'll be good. Do more good than bad. Be moral. Be a good, moral person. Have good intentions. That's religion. It's trying to clean your own sin. I need to approach God. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They sinned. They, they fell. They ran from God. God approached them. They tried to hide from God. God called them out. They tried to cover themselves. That's what religion does. We try to cover ourselves with actions, with works, with morality, with all these things so that we will be uh, uh, acceptable to God. We'll be able to approach God. That's what religion, but Jesus is not about religion. Jesus is the only way we can be cleansed to approach God. You can't clean yourself. That's what Jesus says. You can't clean yourself. Only his blood can clean you. That's, that's what he's saying here. That's why Jesus told Peter, Peter, when Peter said, Jesus, you ain't washing my feet. You ain't washing my feet. <laughs> washing my feet. And, 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 and Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And Peter said, whoa, 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 wait a minute then. Don't just stop with my feet. Wash my hands. Wash my head. Man, get behind my ears and my belly button. Get everything, Jesus. I mean, clean me all. You know, I love this about Peter because Peter is all in, isn't he? I mean, man, Peter, I identify with Peter because, man, I just seem to open my mouth sometimes and my filter just goes down. My mouth comes open. My filter goes down. That was Peter. But here's what we know about Peter. When he was all in, and I love this about Peter, right, because he was all in, and he said, wash everything then, Jesus, and Jesus pulled him back. Here's a great lesson. Listen, Jesus pulled him back and said, Peter, if you've been bathed, you're clean. If you've been bathed, he said, uh, the one who has been bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he's completely clean. What's he saying? Jesus, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, in other words, Peter, if you believe in me, if you've been redeemed by me, if you're a Christian, okay, if you're a disciple, if you follow me, uh, how how you want to say that today, if you have truly believed in Jesus, you are completely clean. All your past sins All your present sins and all your future sins are cleaned, they're forgiven. That's why Romans says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. You're clean, right? You're not condemned. It overwhelms my soul, to be quite honest with you, when I think about the fact that I know sins I've committed. I know sins I've committed. And some of them are like, they make me sick because I look back and I say, why did I do that? And Jesus has forgiven it. But what overwhelms me even more is to to know, realize that I don't know sins I will commit tomorrow, next year, 10 years if I'm still alive. I don't know those sins, but whatever they are, they're already forgiven. My past sins, my present sins, my future sins, they're not condemned. They're marked clean, canceled. He said, Peter, if you've been bathed, you're clean, completely clean. But you just have to wash your feet. See, he's saying this, if you're a Christian, all your sins are forgiven. That ought to overwhelm you. Man, that ought to overwhelm you. That ought to make you say, I'm going to gather with my family, my community to worship my Savior. Man, it ought to change how you live because I'm clean and nothing can condemn me because Jesus promised that. Nothing will snatch me out of my hand. No sin, death, nothing can separate me from God because I'm clean right? That to, if you're a Christian, that's beautiful news to you. Here's what he said. You're completely clean. You don't need to be bathed except for your feet. Now what's he saying? He's saying all your sins are forgiven. But listen, when you travel this world as a Christian, your feet still get dirty, don't they? With sin. In other words, your feet get dirty because you have selfish selfishness. You have bad thoughts. You look at things you shouldn't look at. You say things you shouldn't say. You do things you shouldn't do sometimes, right? That's me. And when I do that, my feet get dirty. I'm clean, but my feet get dirty. And so I just need to clean my feet a little bit. In other words, I need to confess. I need to repent and I need to confess. Not to be right with God, but because I am right with God and I know what I've done has offended him and I want my intimacy with God not to be interrupted, right? I don't have to confess. When you're a Christian and you sin, you don't confess and say, God, help me to be right with you. You are right with God. You're righteous, the Bible says, which means you're standing with God, but your intimacy will take a hit if you don't confess. It's just like me me and Amy, right? I mean, every now and then, I hurt Amy. I know you find that hard to believe. You'd think, Pat, I know you'd never do anything to hurt Amy. You're perfect, right? Well, no, I I try to tell Amy that, but she tells me I'm not. Every now and then, I hurt Amy. I do things that hurt her. I say things that hurt her. I forget to do things that, and it hurts her. And every now and then, I hurt her. And if I ignore that, you know what happens? It it creates a gulf between us, right? I mean, I still love her. She still loves me. We're still married, but our intimacy takes a hit. You know that if you're married, don't you? You know that when your intimacy takes a hit because you've hurt one another and you haven't yet resolved that issue. And some of you might be there right now. And that's exactly what happens with Jesus. It's not that I'm not married to Amy because I hurt her. It's not that I don't love her. She doesn't love me, but our intimacy takes a hit. And that's exactly why we need to clean our feet as Christians that's why we need to confess our sin because our intimacy takes a hit right let me go on and read John 13 12 through 7 and finish this out in John 13 12 through 7 he goes on and and, and he says when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place I'm going to talk about his place in a moment at the table because it's very interesting Uh, He he resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. He's revealing who he is. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus said, I'm giving you an example this is what I do. If you follow me, do what I do. A, a servant's not greater than his master. In other words, if you see the master doing something, it's not that you're greater than what well, he did it. I don't have to. No, you do what the master did, right? It says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Wow. Now get that because we got a lot of uh, Bible study people. And I, here, let, me, let me make sure you understand what I'm saying very clearly. We need to study the Bible. We need to memorize the Bible. We need to hide the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against him. We need to know the Bible. But we have a lot of people that that's where it stops. And you need to understand that God doesn't say, uh, blessed are you when you know what I tell you to do. He says, blessed are you when you know these things, blessed are you when you do them. You do the word, that's when you're blessed, by doing the word, right? And so he says, I've, I've given you an example, do what I do, right? I'm not speaking of all of you, for I know whom I have chosen But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Here's what Jesus says. I mean, it's so so awesome. Jesus said, if I washed your feet, he, he, he says you should wash one another's feet. It's so much more than foot washing, okay? Now, here's what I want you to understand. There are some denominations that take this. There are some tribes, some of you come out of these denominations that take this and they say, well, foot washing is an ordinance. It was ordained by God and the church should do it because he said, if I do this to you, then you should do it. And so it's sort of like communion is an ordinance. We got two ordinances, what we call ordinances here, meaning they were ordained by God for us to do throughout the ages until he returns. Baptism and Lord's Supper, communion right we're going to do communion moment that's the two ordinances some people have added a third some people have said foot washing because jesus said here you should do these things if i've done them to you do it uh, and so they they uh, say hey y'all come back tonight we're going to do a foot washing at 5 p.m tonight all right maybe you've seen this some of you come out of this uh, a, a denomination like this and uh, we're going to do a foot washing at 5 p.m and that, that's, that's all right but you know what, what do people do before they come at 5 p.m they wash their feet don't they I don't want anybody washing my dirty feet. And they, so they wash their feet. Here, here's the thing. I, th- whether you do that or not, that, that's fine, cool, good, whatever. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus didn't institute an ordinance and tell us that we should gather together. It's not about gathering together at 5 p.m. and washing people's feet. And it would be cool if it was that good. But it, that's, not, that's, that's not it. What Jesus is doing is saying, do what I have done. In other words, serve each other meet each other's needs you will know, they will know that you are mine by the love that you have for one another he's saying do what i do and what have i done i've met your need there was a need here you had dirty feet and no one got up to meet it but i did do that for each other he's saying serve do the job no one else wants to do and so let me ask you something let me ask you from a, both an organizational standpoint and a life standpoint as as you go standpoint organizationally are you serving the body, the church? If you're not, I would ask why. Because that's being like Jesus. Are you washing the feet of the church? And I'm not talking literally getting down washing someone's feet. I, I, I'm talking about meeting whatever needs, needs to be done. Are you doing that? If you're not, why? Because Jesus said, do it. Do what I've done. A servant's not greater than his master. Why do you think I can do this and you can't? Don't have to do it. Why are you serving the church? Now, I know some great excuses that I've heard throughout the years. Some excuses that I've heard is, man, I, I, a church that size, I know y'all got everything covered. Eh, wrong, by far. I asked our folks this week, hey, listen, how many, work, how many people do we need serving right now uh, to, to fill our position? And, and uh, this is my, my response. We can make Sunday, Wednesday, we can make our ministry happen with what we have. But if we want it to be effective and really be all it can be, we could double the number of people ministering in every department, and our children, and our preschool, and our students, greeting. Man, it's raining, and it's like raining. It rains on Sundays, right? I mean, it rains. And here's what we need, man. I, I, washing feet is like going out in the parking lot, putting on a, a, on a raincoat and an umbrella and helping a single mom with her baby into the church house, right? I mean, it's going out and greeting people and saying, man, that's, that's called, is that being done? It's washing feet, Right now you say, "Heck, their feet's gonna get clean if I just walk from the parking lot in here," you know. But it's washing their feet. We we need you to serve if we so we can be more effective in in sharing the gospel. Are you serving? Are you are you serving, man? When when there's people serving, there's people washing your feet right now. Did you know that? I, man, I I'm grateful for everybody who washes feet in this church. If you're a parent, there's people washing your feet right now by serving you by serving your kids. And they're not just rocking your baby, man. They're praying over the soul of your baby right now. Did you know that? I mean, there there, there are people who washes your feet by serving your teenagers, by serving your children, by serving your preschoolers, they're serving you Been doing that. There's people who lead life groups. There's people, there's people who uh, d- does work in the parking lot. There's people backstage and uh, making this happen, man, I, so it can be seen on the World Wide Web. I mean, there's people washing your feet right now, and I'm grateful for those people because they're washing your feet. Are you washing people's feet in this organization? If you're not, why? Because Jesus said, "Do what I have done. I've given you the example. Do it." Are you washing? Feet? Some people say, "Well, man, I'm gonna I tell you, I've, uh, I've I've served a lot of years, and it's time for let somebody else step up and serve." Eh? That sounds wonderful, but it's just not what the Bible says. Matter of fact, it's opposite of what the Bible. Matter of fact, let me give you some names: Moses, Joshua, Peter. Paul, John, James, Jesus, I could go on. You know what? One, th- one They've got a lot in common, but you know what one thing in this context they have in common? Every one of them died serving. They died serving. Do you know when you quit serving as a believer? You quit serving when your heart does. You quit when your heart quits, and not until. That's how you serve. You serve. Are you serving the body? Man, we've got all kinds. You can go to Life Point Church, dot org slash serve we've got positions open and we're hiring okay volunteers of course we're hiring we've got positions open like crazy lifepointchurch.org slash serve if you're not serving get involved find a way and 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 listen we want to help you figure out we really do i want to help you figure out what how you're created and wired and we want to put you in serving in that because believe me you wouldn't want me serving in children okay that's not how i'm wired Right, I do. I got five of them, and man, I'm I'm by the grace of God, am I serving my five? Right. Some of you are really wired, so. That, but you know what? If we had a need in our children today, you I mean, to like, man, right now, you know where I'd be? I'd be I'd, I'd go to my. Here's the thing. It's not like okay, well, I'm not gifted that way. Okay, I mean, what did Jesus do? Well, I'm not gifted to wash your feet. He, no, a need was there. He got up and met it. Okay, I mean, what do we need to? do? Just jump in and say, we want you to serve where you're gifted, skilled, created, wired. But man, just say, hey, until then, until I find that place, where can I be of service? What needs to be done? Are you serving the body? Now, here's how I would say you, you, You need to make a plan organizationally. Every member is a minister, every member is a missionary. Where are you serving? But also, let me tell you something this is not just about organizational, this is about life. How are you serving your spouse? How are you washing the feet of your spouse? How are you washing the feet of your kids, of your parents? What about your neighbor? You need to go home and you need to say, God, how can I serve your body of the church? And God, how can I serve my neighbor? How can I serve my coworker, my classmate, my spouse? How can I serve the people that you've put in my life? How can I do that? How can I serve them? How can I wash their feet? What can I do? Are you serving? Now, I I wanna end this by finally, and, oh, by the way, uh, in April, we're, we're, our life groups, we're going we're gonna to go local. Our life groups are going to serve our community. And so it, 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 if you're in a life group, please get involved in going local. If you're not in a life group, man, I want to know why. I, 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 some of you answered that by saying, well, you know, I've tried it. I've been there. I don't really need a life group. I know. Well, folks, it's not about, what, it's not about you. That's an opportunity for you to serve those people in, in your group. Okay. In your group. And so, so our life group is going to serve our community. And, 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 and you know, I, I wrote that down because I just wanted to, to remind you of that. But I want to close by finally asking you, first off, the first challenge to you is are you serving? Are you serving your organization? Are you serving your community? Are you serving, your, your, are you serving this community, the body? Are you serving those in your life? Okay? That's the first challenge. Here's the, the second challenge. Uh, 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 did you notice Did you notice that Jesus washed the feet of Judas? Did you notice that? Jesus washed the feet of Judas, which is amazing. Now, let me go back to that triclinium. Let me go back to that table, that U-shaped table, okay? U-shaped tables like this. Now, according to what we know, the, the seat of honor for the guest of honor would have been in the center right here on this side of the table. And he would have had one person on each side of him. So Jesus would have been sitting here. He would have had a rose here, I mean, a, a, a people sitting here, people sitting, disciples sitting there, and disciples sitting just like on that side of the, of, of the, the table. Jesus would have been here in the middle, and he would have had one person on each side of him. Do you know who the people, the two people, one on each side, do you know who they were? One was John, the guy who wrote this gospel. The one he loved. Remember, because it says that John laid his head on his chest. And the reason John laid his head on his chest was because if you remember, he's leaning over and he can't really hear, and he's wanting to say, is it me who betrays you? Because you. So John, and you remember who the other person is on the other side? It's Judas. Think about that. It's the Last Supper. It's the last hours of Jesus' life. The person right beside of him has betrayed him already, sold him out, stabbed him in the back, and he knows it. If the person who stabs me in the back is sitting right beside of me, I want to punch him in the throat. But Jesus washed his feet. Think about that. And he washed his feet, and I love it because it gives us an incredible, incredible truth that we need to hang on to. Jesus said, Peter, you're clean, you're good, but not all of you are. Not all of you are. Jesus, Judas hung out with Jesus every day for three years. Man, let me put it in this term. He was at church every time the doors were open. He was baptized. He joined the church. He served to treasurer. I mean, he, he served. He, he, he was there. Every disciple in that room thought he was one of them. He's good, man. He's here. He's cool. But here's the thing that Jesus knows your heart. It's possible, folks. Jesus' own 12 disciples, one of his own 12, was with him, hung out with him, but did not believe in him and was not saved. That's a warning to everybody in the church. Say, it's easy to hang out with Jesus. It's possible to hang out with Jesus. It's possible to be baptized, to join the church, and to hang out with Jesus. But your heart is truly not surrendered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's, It's possible for that to be you. And as Paul said, you need to examine yourself. And so, you know, I, as the shepherd of these sheep, it's my responsibility to say, examine yourself. Only God, kn- you, you, God knows your heart. Is that you? If it is, please change that today. Only through the blood of Jesus can you be cleansed from your sin and be made right with God. Not by your efforts, not by church, not by baptism. Only by the blood of Jesus have you surrendered, and have you, do you believe? Have, are you, do you truly, like Peter, went all in, which is what that means, with Jesus? If not, come back and talk to us, because I really, really, really want to help you with that. I really want to help you with that, okay? So what we're going to do right now is we're going to do what Jesus was doing that night. You see, that night they were together celebrating the Passover, but Jesus did something else. We'll see this later. Jesus transformed the Passover of the old covenant into the Lord's Supper of the new covenant. And he did that by taking a piece of bread and breaking it later. And he gave it to them and said, this is my body. He took the wine and he said, uh, this is my blood. And he's reminding them, he's setting up for them a memorial, to re- for us a way for us to remember his broken body and his shed blood that cleansed us from sin. And he said, when you do this, as often as you do it, remember me, Now he didn't tell us how often to do it, he just said when you do it, right? And some, some, you, some of you come from backgrounds that do it every week, and we don't do it every week, and it's not whether you do it every week or not, Jesus didn't say to do it every week, he said as often, it's okay? And, but do it to remember me, and we don't do it every week because we want it. We really want you to think when you do and not be rote with it, okay? Not just, just, just be doing it, and we want you to think because here's what happened, the church began doing it immediately, But really early, the church in Corinth got way off the rails with it. They began to do it frivolously, without thinking. Man, they were getting drunk on the wine at the Lord's Supper. They were doing all kind of things. And Paul wrote to them and said, what are you doing? Get your act together. When you do this, examine yourself. And so this is a time to remember the gospel, the gospel that saves, but also the gospel that sanctifies, that that draws you closer to Jesus, right? And so Paul said, when you do this, examine yourself. And so we do this, and when we do it, we give you an opportunity. We say, man, is there any dirt on your feet that need to be cleaned? Is there any sin you need to confess? Do that. So here's what we're gonna do. Travis is gonna come and and our band and and, and we're going to sing about the blood. Why do we sing about the blood? Because it's the only way we're cleansed. We're going to sing about the blood. And we're going to pass out, uh, our, 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 our ushers are going to pass out a, uh, uh, in a moment a, uh, uh, a tray. And there's one cup on top of another. Take it and hold it. And we're going to come back in a moment and take it together. It's going to be a piece of unleavened bread, a small piece. Because it's not to satisfy your physical hunger. It's to remember how Jesus has satisfied your spiritual hunger. And we're going to take a small piece of bread and remember his body, and we're going to take we use juice here, by the way, just in, in case any of you have any issues, uh, we use juice so it's safe. So, we're going to have, so' you take that bread and that juice, and then we'll come back in just a moment, and, and we'll take it together after we sing about the blood. As we're singing, do what Paul said, examine yourself. Clean, clean your feet. Is there any dirt on your feet that needs to be cleansed? Pray, ask God to forgive you. And then we'll come back and thank him for. Cleaning us, bathing us, and making us clean. Past, present, future sins, done. Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this moment. Help us to remember, repent. Help us to celebrate. Help us to be changed. Right now, help us as we sing about your blood. Help us to think about how your blood is the only thing that can cleanse us. And help us, Jesus, right now to be, to be absolutely absolutely changed, taken to a new, another step closer to you if we're, if we're a believer. If we're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I pray that today, right now, you would save souls. Open their eyes to your sacrifice and what this means in Jesus' name, amen.